She was 17 years old. He stood glaring at her, his weapon before her face. Do you believe in God? She paused. It was a life or death question. Yes, I believe in God. Why? asked her executioner. But he never gave her a chance to respond. The teenage girl lay dead at his feet. This scene could have happened in the Roman Colosseum. It could have happened in the Middle Ages. And it could have happened in any number of countries around the world today. People are being imprisoned, tortured, and killed every day because they refuse to deny the name of Jesus. This particular story, though, did not happen in ancient times. It did not happen in Vietnam, Pakistan, or Romania. It happened in Columbine High School in Littleton, Colorado on April 20th, 1999. Do you believe in Jesus? Let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. God, we desperately desire awakening today. God, it is not my desire to stand up here and proclaim words, God, that are my words. It is my desire, Lord, to be hidden behind your cross. That everything that we say and do in this place would bring honor and glory to you, that would point other people to who you are, God. That we could see you uplifted and glorified, God. I pray for awakening to happen within each of us, God. That today would be a day that we... We wake up to the understanding of what it means to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. Not a Christian, but a Christ follower. God, I'm so thankful for this place. I'm so thankful for the life change that I know has happened in so many of these people's lives. God, I've got to talk with them. I've got to meet them where they are. God, I've got to hear their background. I've got to hear their story. But then, God, I've got to see a shift in their belief to where all of a sudden you've showed up. And God, all of a sudden they've been different. You've revolutionized them. God, we're so thankful for life change today. God, I pray that today your Holy Spirit would awaken us and and give us this renewed spirit about us, God, that as we leave here, we leave different than the way that we came. We live here changed and happy and joyful about who you are and what you've done for us in our life. God, I pray that today would be a day that we, we wake up, that we're not ashamed of who you are, God. God, we're not ashamed. God, I know that you've been working on my heart about this lesson for quite some time. So God, I pray that today as as we, we hear from you, that, Lord, our hearts would be opened, that our ears would be opened, that our eyes would see what you see so that we will do what you want us to do, God. God bless each and every one of us. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I thank you for being here today. I mean that with, from the bottom of my heart. I'm so glad that you've joined us. Today's a special day because today, today is a day that you can have an encounter with Jesus. Whether you've become a follower or you're not a follower yet, it really doesn't matter. You can encounter Jesus today. He's available to you. So no matter what your struggle has been this week, no matter what your hardship has been, no matter what you've gone through, no matter your backstory, your background, God loves you. And he wants a relationship with you. And really what he wants is for you to make him leader, director, and CEO of your life. You make him Lord. You follow him. And when you do those things... He promises to never leave you nor forsake you. And so I invite you, if you're a guest with us today, we want you to know we are so blessed that you've come to, cho- to choose to, to worship Jesus with us today. It is our honor to have you in his house with us, and we pray from the bottom of our hearts that you hear from Jesus today. Again, I don't want to be up here, standing up here, telling you my words. I want to proclaim what God's word says, and I want to stand on those truths. And I want us to just adhere to whatever he is telling you to do today. Because here's what's funny about 
proclaiming the word of God. What this section may get out of this lesson today may be completely different than what this middle section gets, which may be completely different than what this other far section gets. God has a specific, unique plan for each of you today. Because you all have a story, you all have a path, and today you're here with me, and so you're stuck with me for a few minutes. So we're going to go on a journey together, but i got to tell you, today's, today's one of those lessons... Um, we were in our DNA series, uh, it was a four week long series, and about the second week of the DNA series, God began to speak to me about this message I'm about to present to you today. And quite honestly, this is a different message than normal. Um, I know, don't you hate when you visit a church and you're the guest and everything's different, you know, like, what, what are you talking about? Today's a little different because I really want to, I really want to tell you what God's been doing in my heart, and I hope that you can understand where I'm coming from, and I hope your heart will connect to it. If you'll give me just a few minutes of your time, I really believe that God wants to speak to you. Can I have your permission to do that today? Will you be open to the Lord? Yes, All right, thank you so much. Um, God's been messing with me. Over the past few weeks, he has been telling me that there's a difference between a Christian and a Christ follower. Now, the word Christian means Christ follower, but I'm in the Dallas Metroplex, and I'm not from here. I'm from Ohio. Okay, so the things in Ohio are different than Dallas. Dallas is a whole lot different. And what I'm finding here is that there's a lot of people that proclaim that they're Christ followers. They proclaim that they're Christians, but they don't really have a relationship with God. See, there's a lot of people that they've grown up, you've grown up in this, this area where there's so many churches, there's so much, um, so much of God around us, but, but truly, if we were to push, come to shove, you don't really know God. You don't truly, you've never really made him leader lord of your life. Your life's never really changed. But yet, if I asked you, are you a Christian, you would say yes. And some of you would say yes based on the fact that you were raised in a family that you went to church maybe for a long time. Some of you have been going to church every week for week after week after week, and you've been around it and you've heard it, but, but let me just tell you, that's not how you get to heaven. That's not how you get to heaven. And, and it, God has been brewing this in me, and it's, it's bothered me enough to speak about it today because he told me this, this little phrase, these two words, not ashamed. Not ashamed, not ashamed, not ashamed. Not ashamed of who Jesus is. Not ashamed about what he's done for us in our lives. You know what bothers me? Christians. They bother me. Christians bother me because they say that they love Jesus. They say that they, they, they've made him leader and Lord, but then they act like he doesn't exist. That bothers me. For a person to have died on a cross, to pay for the sin of the whole world, having done nothing wrong, having given us the best gift that we can ever receive, possibly here on this earth, Jesus Christ, his blood paying for our sins so that we can go to heaven, how could we live like he doesn't exist? You know, it bothered me when I began to think about different stories in the Bible, when I think of these Bible characters and how they, they really had to risk their life to follow Jesus. Amy read the story of the, the girl, the 17-year-old at Columbine High School that gave her life because she was a follower of Christ. 1999, it really wasn't that long ago. It bothers me that we're okay with being the Christians that we are. I hope that bothers you. Because I hope the message that you receive today calls you out. And let me just say, it's not just calling you out. It's not me calling you out. God has called me out. And so I'm sharing with you what God has called me out on. And I'm a pastor. I'm not, I'm not exempt. I'm not above anybody else. We say it around here. Everybody's a 10 here in some area. 
just got to find your area. We figure out nobody's elevated above anybody else here. The pastor's not better than the person that's baking or doing something else. We're all equal. We're all sinners underneath, underneath God. But I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to understand um, and learn more about what a Christian is, what a true Christ follower is. And I think that we're desensitized in this area. I think we have an understanding of what it means to follow Jesus, but I don't think we truly follow him. I think when I think of the people <coughs> in the Bible that had to give up so much in order to, to proclaim Jesus, to say, this is my leader, this is my Lord, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes, it looked different than our society today. And I think we've become complacent. I think that we've become okay with the way that Christianity is in our day and age. And I think that God has been calling me out and saying, Randy, stop being okay with that. There's more to be done. There's more to be done. And if you're going to lead a church and you're going to say that you're a pastor, then you, you've got to understand what it means to truly follow me. And when I say be willing to do whatever it takes, I mean you've got to be willing to do whatever it takes. Because you're, you're acting like this is hard, Randy. You're acting like being a follower of me is tough. You're acting like it's messing with your schedule too much. You're acting like it's messing with, uh, with the relationships that you had. You're acting like it's messing with your money and your time. And he began to show me some different stories out of the Bible where, where if I was to compare us to them, we don't even stand a chance. They had to give up so much in order to follow Christ. I just, God's doing something. These men and women were passionately in love with Jesus. You know, in Acts chapter 2, whenever, whenever the day of Pentecost was there and they, the first church started, this is what I'm talking about, the first church started and the Holy Spirit came down and he met with his people. Do you know what? Those people didn't care about race. They didn't care about color of skin. They didn't care about how much money you made. They didn't care whether you were a man, a woman, a boy, a child, whether you were elderly, whether you were a baby. They didn't care about any of those things. They didn't let anything get in their way of loving each other, uniting together, and spreading the message of Jesus Christ. Nothing got in their way. They weren't worried about time. They weren't worried about how they were going to do it. They weren't worried about insecurities. They weren't worried about um, what are people going to think. They weren't worried about anything when they followed Jesus. Matter of fact, they were so not worried and so unashamed of who God was that they just wanted to go forward as a church that they said, if this person over here, if this person has a need, we want to fill it. We'll unite together. We'll pull, pull our resources together to make sure that this person has what they need because we want them to find the Savior. They were willing to do anything it took. I'm selfish. I'm selfish. I'm not willing. Learn that about myself. Willing to do a lot, but there's a line, isn't there? Maybe you can identify. There's a line where we say, you know what, I won't do that. And we have all of the reasons, which are really just excuses, but, but guys, God's calling me out. He may be calling you out today. You say, well, are you a Christ follower or are you going to be a, a Dallas Christian? Because that's what it is. We're just Dallas Christians. A lot of just, you know, here's what it is. I want to open our Bibles up today to Daniel chapter 3. If you've got a Bible with you, um, great. If you don't, we're going to have the, the Scripture is going to be up on the screen for you. I want to tell you a story that really got to me this week. And I've heard the story before. Matter of fact, I've taught the story several times. Matter of fact, I heard this story, story growing up probably more times um, 
than any other story probably in the Bible. So I'm very familiar to this story because this is like the one that the, the Sunday school teachers just seemed to, you know, I guess they were on rotation, they maybe got confused and they all taught this story or something. I learned this story a lot growing up and it was really weird, but, but this story really hit me in a different way this week because God's been messing with me. I told you, he's got my heart. And when it, whenever God has your heart, all of a sudden you see things different than you saw them before. When God's got your heart, all of a sudden your ears are perked up. You want to hear from Jesus. Which, by the way, if you came here today and you say, you know, I just don't know if I'm going to get anything out of this. Maybe, maybe you were looking and you're saying, they got all these lights and the music's louder than I'd like and all this and that. Listen, let me just tell you, if you want Jesus today, he's so available to you. You'll get something out of this today if you want it. Because Jesus is not hiding from you. He never has been. So if you're ready to receive, he's ready to, to not only give, but he's going to give it on you abundantly. He's going to give you more than you can handle. It's going to be a good thing for you. Let me kind of set up our story of how this bothered me. There was this king named King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar, and King Nebuchadnezzar was a selfish dude. Very, very selfish. Let me tell you how selfish he was. And by the way, anybody know anybody that's selfish? Put them up real quick. Let me just see if anybody, all right, good. Now don't point, all right, I got some people, you know, don't point. Uh, we don't need that, but, but for real. Selfishness is all around us, isn't it? There's some selfish people around here. But let me tell you about King Nebuchadnezzar. This dude was real selfish. He was the king, so he had power. And King Nebuchadnezzar, he had this thing in his mind of um, uh, how he was the best. He was the best. And so what he did was he literally made a statue out of gold um, and a lot of other elements. But, but basically it's, it's a statue, and it was a huge statue, and it was a replica of himself. Now, how, can, how much more conceited can a person get, right? Like, I'm going to make this statue, and it's going to be a replica of me. And so, basically, this huge statue is, is erected, and here it is, and it's standing before everybody. And he makes a law, because he's the king, that says, when the music plays, there's going to be all sorts of music that plays, everybody in the land is commanded by law to bow down and worship this image. Now, that's a pretty evil dude right there. Now, to make it a step further to tell you how evil it was, he makes another law that says anybody that does not bow down to this image will be cast in what is known as the fiery furnace. That's different. We don't see that every day. But in this time period, in this, in this land, this is what was happening. There's King Nebuchadnezzar making this law. This is an evil dude. If you don't bow down and worship this, then I'm going to throw you in, uh, into the fiery furnace. You literally are going to die. Daniel 3 tells us that the music played and all the people of the land bowed down and worshipped the image except for three people. There was three men that said, you know what? I don't think I want to do that. Not because I'm defiant, but because I have a different belief. These three men, his name was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men said, I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I am a follower of God. They were Christians before there was the term Christian. They were Christ followers. Let me tell you a little bit about being a Christ follower in this time. Their life is on the line right here in this moment. They've been commanded by the most powerful man. It'd be like Barack Obama making a new law and everybody, for whatever reason, just agreeing with it and saying, you have to bow down and you have to worship this image. And if you don't, you're going to be thrown into this fiery furnace. Bring it to reality here. That's what it's like. And all these people in this land are, are about to figure out and really test themselves of whether they're true Christians or whether they're ashamed of who God is. Because I'm sure there was more than three people who were Christians in that land. Quite sure. But out of all the people, there was only three that said, you know what, I don't know about this. I want to pick up our reading in verse 14 
of Daniel chapter 3. If you've got your Bible, go, go ahead and get there. But let me tell you something. If you don't have a Bible today, I want to give you a gift. I want to give you a Bible today. I want to hand it to you. I just want you to have it for free because I believe in God's Word. I believe that God's Word is powerful. I believe it's real. We stand on its truth, and God shows up and does amazing things in our lives. Life is better with God in it, so much better. So if you don't have a Bible, here's all you got to do. There's a table right back there in the back. If you go right through those doors, at the end of the service, we're going to give you a Bible. Matter of fact, you don't even have to talk to anybody. Just go on that table. I'm giving you permission right now. Grab many Bibles as you want. You got a son that doesn't have a Bible? Go give him a Bible. It's on me, okay? Because we believe in God's Word. Daniel chapter 3, verse 14. Let's, let's see, look at this together. It says, Nebuchadnezzar the king spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? That's a question. Is it true? So right here, these guys are faced with the decision. I either worship this image, follow his gods and what he believes, or I don't. It's a question. Let's look at verse 15. He kind of assumes here. Now, if you're ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. Kind of makes an assumption. If When you hear that music and you bow down, the good, we're all on the same page again, because it sounded like you were getting sidetracked there for a second because you didn't really want to bow down and worship, and I heard that, and now I'm coming to you and I'm asking you, is that the case? But I, I don't think that's the case because when you hear the music, you'll just... Fall down and you'll worship. But if you do not worship, you should be cast immediately in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is this God who will deliver you from my hand? Can you imagine being one of these three men? Put yourself in the shoes of these guys. You know, society today, being a Christian is totally different than being a Christian back in the day, isn't it? We all agree, based on reading that story, isn't it different? Like, we don't have to go through near anything like that. We don't have to go through near anything like that. You know what the saddest thing is? When people ask us if we go to church, we shy up. We get scared. We don't know what to say to them. We don't want to look crazy. We're ashamed of who Jesus is. He's messing with me, guys. I'm sorry. This is what God's doing with me. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter, because if that is the case, if you, all you're saying is true, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image that you have set up. Now, real quick, think about the boldness right here that these guys just went through. How dare these people tell this king that they're not going to do what he just commanded them to do? And how stupid they must have looked in the eyes of everybody around for following Christ. Because this guy just made it abundantly clear, not once but twice, that if they don't bow down and worship this image, that they're going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. It's going to cost them a lot. How stupid could these people be? But with boldness they proclaim, we're not bowing down to your image. 
We're not worshiping any other God because we know who we serve. We know who died on that cross to pay for our sins. We know what this life is all about. We found purpose in Jesus Christ. We found hope in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the answer for all of our sins. He gives us freedom. All those habits that we had, they're no longer here. All that life that we lived before, it's dead and gone because we found a relationship with God and everything's different now. God showed up in these men's life and they, he didn't just show up in their head, he showed up in their heart and things were different. They boldly proclaimed, we're not doing that because this is the God that we love. This is the God that we serve. Do we have the same type of boldness? I love the people that say, you know, the Bible is so old, it can't possibly be relevant today. <laughs> sure is relevant in this message. Sure is relevant in this message because, you know, when we're questioned about if we believe in God or not, we don't want to be judged. We don't want to be criticized by anyone. We don't want anyone to think anything bad of us. I call that being ashamed of Jesus. Being ashamed. Let me just be honest with you. Being a Christian may cost you something. Maybe you weren't expecting to hear that. Being a Christian may cost you something. It may cost you some friends who maybe aren't living according to God's word. Being a Christ follower, a person who really follows after Christ, it may cost you living a different life than other people that you grew up with. There may be people that you went to college with or went to school with or neighbors that you grew up with for a long time. It may be some of your family that you go out with every week. And you know what? Being a follower of Jesus Christ might separate you from them. You weren't expecting to hear that. But that's the truth. Because if you're living your life the way that the Bible tells us to live our life, God's Word, by the way, the Bible isn't some book, it's God's Word. When we live our life according to God's Word, all of a sudden that separates us. When we begin to be obedient to God's Word, all of a sudden life looks different. All of a sudden the partying that we used to do and the drugs that we used to do and the people that we used to hang around that we'd find ourselves in more trouble with than anything else, all of a sudden they don't line up anymore. And it doesn't mean that you disown these people, and it doesn't mean that you don't love these people. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying cut off every relationship that you have that's not good. I'm not even telling you that. What I am telling you is that you've got to live according to the Bible. And you've got to be a follower of Jesus Christ, and you've got to be not ashamed about it. And when you begin to live your life like that, what is going to happen is your friends aren't going to understand. It's going to cost you something to follow Jesus. You know, uh, one of the marks of a true believer of Jesus Christ is that they know that it costs them something. If you're doing it right, it costs you something. If you're doing it right. Now, this is the backwards message, isn't it? You're expecting, you know, come in here, if you follow Jesus, you're going to have all these blessings and everything's going to go well and, you know, God's going to show up. And you know what? He does. That's all true, too. But I think sometimes we focus so much on the blessing that we, we miss the point of telling you that following Jesus is going to cost you something. It may cost you time. It may cost you talent. It may cost you treasure. It may cost you friends. It may cost you relationships. But here's the deal. Jesus did not come to bring peace on this earth but a sword. That's what the Bible says. That may not make sense to you. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, I love these people enough that it's going to cause division. And I am going to call some people out. And I am going to have them to become followers of me. And as they follow me, I'm going to show up. And let me tell you, living life with Jesus is so much better than living life without Jesus. I'm a living proof testimony. People say, well, there's all these Jesus freaks out there. They're a bunch of Jesus religious fanatics. 
And I don't want to be one of those people. Let me tell you, I love being a Jesus freak. You know why? Because Jesus is with me all day, every day. He never leaves me. He never forsakes me. I can cast all my care upon him because he loves me and he cares for me. I can follow his lead and know that wherever he takes me is a good spot to go. I don't have to worry about making a bad decision, a wrong decision, because I'm not in the lead. I'm sitting in the car in the back seat going, hey, man, where are we going? And he takes me there. And as you just obey and you begin to do things that, that the Bible tells us to do, it's not a rule system like some of you maybe have been tended, led to believe. It's not a rule system. It's a blessing system. It's as you begin to be obedient to me, I am your father. You guys that have kids and you guys that are parents, and you know how much you love your kids. You know how much you do anything for them. You want what's best for them, don't you? Let me tell you this. Your heavenly father, Jesus Christ, sent his son to die on a cross for you. He rose again on that third day. He's no longer stuck in some tomb somewhere. He kicked the tomb door right open, went right out. He conquered death, hell in the grave. Couldn't hold him down. He's way too powerful. Way too powerful for that. And as you follow after him, he does everything for you in your life. He is your rock. He's solid. He's unmovable. He's your hope. Some of you have been looking for answers in life for way too long, and you need to just look to Jesus and give it all to him. Because you know what we're good at? We're good at giving about 90%. There's this 10% that I just I don't know about. And once you surrender, because that's really what it comes down to, is are you leading or is he leading? Are you leading or is he leading? What is it costing you to be bold for Jesus Christ? I've got a friend named Rocky. At the same time that I was called to... Uh, to plant a church here in McKinney, Texas, and I was living in Ohio, I had a buddy in the same church that was called to, a land, to the land of Kosovo. Let me tell you a little bit about Kosovo. I won't take too much time, but let me just tell you about it. Kosovo is land where the, if you mention the name Jesus at all, they can kill you. Dude's a missionary there. A missionary to the land of Kosovo. So his responsibility and what he feels God is leading him to do is to tell people about who Jesus Christ in a land where he can't tell anybody about Jesus Christ. <laughs> When you think of how hard it would be to tell a person about Jesus without speaking the name Jesus, all of a sudden life changes. But you know what I'm sick of as a Christian? I'm sick of myself to, to myself about it, and I hope you can get sick about it too. I'm sick to myself that I can't begin to open my mouth to tell people about who Jesus Christ is when I can say that name as many times as I want freely. That bothers me. It bothers me um, when I hear people say, you know, well, I don't have any friends outside of church. Well, you know, I just, uh, well, man, you need to go get some friends outside of church and start telling them about Christ. Are you realizing what we're here on this earth for? We're on mission, guys. We are on mission. Followers of Jesus Christ. It, we're in a free country. We can speak freely about this, and yet we don't. Did you know that there, according to a study done at Regent Research, in 1998, there were close to 156,000 156,000 Christian martyrs. A martyr is somebody who dies for what they believe in. They were Christ followers. And I'm not saying the only way to follow Christ is to die. That's not what I'm saying. I kind of am, but I'm kind of not. Let me explain it. You don't have to die a physical death in order to follow Christ. You have to die to yourself. You have to die to yourself. Because it goes back to selfishness. You're either going to be a Dallas Christian or you're going to be a real Christian. And you're going to unashamedly proclaim that you're a follower of Christ. 
think too many of us wonder about what other people think of us. We're a little insecure in that way. We wonder how people are going to receive what we have to say. And you know what I really want to challenge all of us on, including myself, is it really doesn't matter what anybody else in this world thinks of us. What matters is what God thinks of us. And one day we're going to be accountable for whether we stood up as followers of Jesus and lived the life that he called us to live. We're going to be accountable. Listen, and I'm not going to be there for you. Some of you guys, you know, you know, I love being your pastor, but listen, you're going to stand individually before God, and God is going to look at you, and he's going to say, what did you do for me? I did all of this for you. Did you live your life for me? Do you know me? And you're going to have to answer that question. You're going to have to give an account. Your spouse isn't going to be there to help you. Nobody, it's going to be you. I'm calling us all out. Verse 19 in our text here, you're going, where are we at? Dude, God's working. I can tell because people are, people are getting it. People are getting it. I've got some of it. I want more of it. You ready? Verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar, after he hears these words, was full of fury, and the expression on his face changed toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that the heat to heat the fiery furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. You think this guy's turning the heat up a little bit on the situation? Yeah. You won't listen to me? I made a command. I made a law. You're not going to listen? I'm going to fire it up seven times hotter than it's ever been to prove to you that you need to do what I say. Man, look at this situation. Verse 20, And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them in the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Now real quick. God led them there. God led them there. Some of you think that if you follow Jesus, you're never going to go through anything bad. God led them right there. It's all right in Scripture. They're following God. Are they doing right or are they doing wrong? They're doing right. Now some of you think, I don't know if I believe that. Well, was Jesus doing right when he went to the cross? How bad of a situation was that? Being nailed to a cross, abandoned, mocked, and everything else. How bad was that? To, but it was the right thing. For sin to be forgiven. Man, that's crazy. Look at this verse 22. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So you got these soldiers who are doing what the king said, and he bounds this guy up, and he picks him up, and as he's going to throw him into the fiery furnace, this guy dies. It's a good thing I know Zach, and I live with Zach. All right, Zach lives with me, you're like... Good thing I didn't sit in the front row. All right, I wouldn't have done it to you. I love Zach. Me and Zach known each other for many, many years. How many years have we known each other, Zach? Ten? All right, working on keeping it at ten. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I love this dude. Um, here's the reality. These guys die after they're throwing. They're just obeying the king. They, they die. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego get thrown into this very scary place. And he may lead you there. He may lead you to do some stuff that's really scary. He may lead you into some pretty uncomfortable circumstances. Do you think being in the fiery furnace was uncomfortable? <laughs> we all know, right? Like, that's not even a question. Rhetorical question, right? You know what he may ask you to do? He may ask you to go to your next door neighbor's house, knock on their door, and introduce yourself. Say, listen, here's who I am, and I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And I want to invite you to my church, because it's one of the greatest things that I've ever experienced. We open up the word of God, he shows up, and my life's different. 
And it's not about this church, it's about God. Okay? Here's what's sad. Let's, let's just be real honest. I hate the garage door opener. <laughs> what are we talking about? I hate the garage door opener. Let me tell you why I hate the garage door opener. Because back in the 50s and 60s, you would sit on your porch, and I hate air conditioning too, and you're like, what? Listen, I hate air conditioning because back in those time periods, people would sit on their porch outside, and they, they had community together. People knew each other. You know what didn't happen? They didn't pull up to their car, um, to, their, to their driveway, and they didn't hit that button, and they didn't go in, and they didn't make sure they didn't get out of the car until they hit that button again, and it went all the way down so none of their neighbors could possibly talk to them. Then they get out of the car. That never happened in that time period. Because in that time period, we had each other's back. In that time period, we sat on the porch and we talked. In that time period, we knew each other's problems. We knew each other's issues. We knew what was hanging this other person up, and we had community together, and we loved on one another. We prayed for one another. All of a sudden, we had relationship. But in today's time period, in the garage door opener phase, we go in, and we shut the door, and we don't talk to anybody. And you know what's sad about that? They don't even know you're a follower of Christ. And you do it purposefully, just like I do. We say we love Jesus. I'm going to call us out. Why not? I'm already up here. Do I have permission? Sure I do, right? What are you going to do about it, right? You can walk out if you want. It's okay. I'm not going to be mad at you. I'm just going to be honest with you. This is true. This is life today. We proclaim Jesus on Sunday and one day throughout the midweek, maybe. Maybe. We proclaim it like that. We go and we think that we've done something real great. When the people in our direct radius around us, the diameter around us, that little circle there, the, liver, the, the door next door, the door next door, across and behind, they don't have a clue that you go to church. They don't have a clue that you're a follower of Jesus. You know what's even worse? Some people's family doesn't even know that you're a follower of Jesus. That's what's even worse. Your own family, you don't even tell your own family who could potentially be on their way to hell, you don't even tell them about Christ. Now, as bad as it is that there's some bad things um, that have happened since the air conditioning and the garage door opener, which some would defy as a good thing, which I agree in some ways it's good, but in some ways it's bad. As much as bad there is, there's some really good things that have come up. Let me tell you about some really good opportunities for Christians. Facebook. Matter of fact, you have permission right now to proclaim Jesus. Take your phone out. Do it. Where's my phone? I laid it right here. I'm going to do it right now. I've got a verse. It's somewhere around here. I'm going to proclaim Jesus on Facebook right now. Y'all can do it too. I'm going to do it. Because there's a verse, Luke 12, 8. Go ahead and throw that up there, guys. Luke 12, 8. We'll go back to the other verse. Whoever confesses me before men, him the Son of Man will also confess before the angels of God. <coughs> That's an interesting verse. I'm checking in that I'm at Revolution Church right now. Give me a second. My phone's slow. I'm used to it now. <laughs> Trying to get used to it. Y'all think I'm lying. Going hard. I'm not ashamed. Y'all didn't expect that today. Whoever confesses me before men, him the Son of Man will also confess before the angels of God. 
Facebook's a powerful tool. Here's what I love about Facebook. It's a ministry source. It's a tool that we can use to advance the kingdom of God. Unlike the garage door opener, it's got more power to it. Because it's got more influence. You all got friends. You all got people. But here's the reality. Some of you are too scared to post that on Facebook. You're too scared to check in. You wouldn't dare. You wonder what some of your friends would think. Yeah, it's working. Cool. Somebody might like my status or something. Cool. Let's go back to the other verse, verse 23. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. It was an uncomfortable situation, verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. And he rose in haste and spoke, saying to the counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king, look. He answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Let me tell you about being a Christ follower, a true follower of Jesus Christ. When you're following Christ and when you're obeying Him, even if your circumstance looks bad, even if it looks like there's no hope, or it looks like, wow, what's going to happen next? God is with you. Amen? God is with you. God will never leave you. God will never forsake you. He gives you hope. He gives you strength. He gives you power. And in this scenario, it wasn't a bad story. You, some of y'all are like, man, I don't want to get thrown in the fiery furnace, all right? It's not going to happen. But let me tell you, when they got thrown in the fiery furnace, meaning not right before they got thrown in, God showed up. God was with them the whole time. God never left them. He wasn't just in the furnace waiting for them. He was all the way through the whole circumstance, including in the furnace, to the point where I love the next part of this verse because it teaches us something very, very good. Verse 26. Skip the next one. Go to 26. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning, fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God. Come out and come here. Now listen, something just shifted in the king's thinking because before he was the best, before he was the one in charge, before he was the greatest, before he was the narcissist, right? Before it was all about him, he was selfish. But in this verse, in the word of God, in verse 26 of Daniel chapter 3, something snaps in him and he says, servants of the most high God, meaning I get it now. And you know what really happened in this scripture, in this passage, and I hope happens with us today? These men lived the life that they were called to live. They were the Christians that they were called to be. And because they stood up and they had a testimony that lived out what they believed, not just in word, but in action. When they lived it out with their actions, a testimony was given, and the king over all the land saw that there was the Most High God. Praise God. Life change happened in this story because people were obedient i got to read the end because it's a cool part. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire. And the satraps, administrators, governors, the king's counselors gathered together, and they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. Stop real quick. Christians, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the fire has no power. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. There's heaven, there's hell. If you're a follower of Jesus, you get to go to heaven. The fire has no power on you because of Jesus Christ. Because in this story, the the fire had no power. I love this part. The hair on their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not even on them. Yet they were in the fiery furnace. God showed up. Love God. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants 
who trusted him. And they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a new law, a decree, any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, here's what happens to them now. They shall be cut into pieces, and their houses shall be made as an ash heap, because there is no other god who can deliver like this. Then, listen to this, then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Do you love God? Ah, do you love God? Here's the thing, guys. We have to trust God. We have to trust God. You have to trust that whenever you put that out there on Facebook and that person that you're scared of seeing that sees it, you have to trust that God wants them to see it. You have to... Let me talk about Facebook for a second. When we send those, those things to you guys and we, you click going, here's what's cool about what you can do. It's an amazing thing, and I want to make sure everybody gets it because I wonder what would happen if we all did it. You can take and you can click on that event, and you can click share event. Let me tell you what that means. That means you can share it with as many of your friends as you want to. You know what you didn't have to do? You didn't have to go um, meet them at the coffee shop. Um, you know what you didn't have to do? You didn't have to go on their doorstep and, and do that. You didn't have to call them. You didn't have to do anything. All you had to do was click share event, and you can share that event with as many people as you want. You can invite all your friends to hear about the life-giving love of Jesus. They can hear how your life has been changed because they can see that you're living it. I wonder what would happen if this many people in the room that have Facebook, some of y'all don't have Facebook, but here's the deal. I wonder if, if the people that do, if they would utilize that tool, how big of an impact we could make. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do hashtag not ashamed. Hashtag, Zach. Hashtag. He loves, he loves when I do hashtags. Hashtag not ashamed, because I ain't ashamed of Jesus Christ. There's a verse I want to read to you. It's found in Romans 12.1. You guys have to click over and find that on the screen. Romans 12.1. I want you to see this, and I want you to post this. If you're with me in the challenge, this is a challenge. Go on Facebook, if you've got Facebook, and you, you put this out there today. I want to see this all over. I want to see our people putting this out. You can do it right now if you want to. Romans 12.1 says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why am I not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ? For it is the power of God to save. It is the power of God to save for everyone who believes. It's for everyone. It's not, it's not for some. Not for most. It's not maybe. It's for anyone that believes in the name of Jesus Christ. They can be saved. They can have a relationship with God. Things can be different in their life. I love the end of that story how God promoted these guys for being obedient. Promoted them. I wonder what God would do for you if you begin to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. I wonder what would happen for you if your life, if you were not ashamed. You know, you've got an outline there, and I'm very, very, very quickly going to run through all those. You all been saying, oh, man, you guys, we're not even at the blanks yet. What's going on? All right. Uh, we're going to get out of here real quick because I promise you, some of you guys have been, like, trying to guess what those blanks are. I saved them all to the very end, and I'm just going to say them real quick. So fill in quick. Ready? There are three reasons we don't share our faith. Number one, we don't truly love other people like we say we do. We don't truly love people like we say we do. Because here's the deal. How can we possibly say we love a person and let them die and go to hell? How can we possibly say that we love someone else with the love that Jesus Christ gives when we're ashamed to talk to them about who Christ is. You know what's sad? We talk about the weather. We talk about sports. We talk about our kids. We talk about games. We talk about everything that's not important, and we neglect to talk about the thing that's the most important, Jesus Christ. 
We don't love people very much. You know what God called us to do? It's two commandments that he really gave. He said these are the greatest commandments of all. You love God and you love other people. How can we say we love other people and we love God if we can't even open our mouths to tell them about how he saves them? Second reason we don't share our faith is we're ashamed of who Jesus is. You say, no, we're not. Listen, I feel like we live like we're ashamed of who Jesus is. And I'm tired of living like that. I'm not going to live like that anymore. I'm going to boldly proclaim it no matter who likes it or who doesn't like it. It's what God's Word says. I'm going to stand on the truth of God's Word, and I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to be all about it because that's who God's called us to be. Followers of Jesus Christ, they abandon everything. When you think of the disciples, the 12 disciples, they were fishermen. They were just doing their own thing. They were at the job, and then Jesus disturbs them at work. Okay, You ever been disturbed at work where you're in the middle of something, you get disturbed? These guys were disturbed at work, and Jesus says, Hey, drop your nets, forget everything that you're doing, and come follow me. Stop fishing for fish. I'm going to teach you how to fish for men, meaning I'm going to tell you how to do this thing. We're going to start a church. I encourage you to start a church with me. Some of y'all are church starters. You're church planners. I'm not the only church planner here. You're a church planner. When you give up your time, your talent, and your treasure, and you invest into getting all this stuff together, you're a church planner. I want you to plan a church with me. I call you out. Let's not be ashamed of who Jesus is. I want to be a team that's not ashamed. We boldly proclaim. Number three, this is my favorite one because this is so true in the Dallas Metroplex. reason why we don't share our faith is we're too busy. We're too busy. Now, how stupid does this sound? This is just flat out dumb. I've got to be honest with you. We're too busy. And I've said this once. I'm going to say it a thousand times. If you stick with me and you're here part of the church, you're going to hear this a thousand more times because this is so true. If you're too busy for God, you are too busy. Well, there's one person that agrees with that. There's three people now. All right, good. I feel better. If you're too busy for God, you're too busy. Jesus died on a cross and he gave all for you. And, and you know what? I told you, you got to die to your old self and you got to begin to live for him. We present our bodies as living sacrifices, obedient to God. So what can you do? There's three opportunities for us to live what we say we believe. Told you I'd go through that quick. We're halfway done now. There we go. Ready? Let's go through these three quick. Three areas of opportunity for us to live what we say we believe. Get involved in serving others at Revolution Church. That's the answer. Get involved in serving others at Revolution Church. You know what I found? When you serve other people and you make it not about yourself, God shows up. Because God does not reward selfishness. Do you remember what he did? He came to this earth and he washed the disciples' feet as an example of how we're to live. He grabbed their dirty, nasty feet. Maybe they had sandals. Maybe they didn't. They've been walking around all day. Who knows what they've walked in. And he, as the king of the Most High, you know, heaven, came out of heaven, came down to earth, and he humbled himself. And he knelt down and he washed their feet. As a symbol and an example of what we're to do to each other. We're to serve each other. So I got to wash feet? No, you're missing it. You got to serve each other. What does that mean? It means you get involved in a local church and you begin to use the abilities that God has given you to point other people back to who Jesus is. That's serving that's getting involved in the church. You be the friendly face. You be the helping hand. You know what? You know what that's funny about guests? Guests, they come in and they're very, very judgmental. I don't know if they realize this, Garrett, but they are, man. They're very judgmental because they're they're judging and they're critiquing everything about the church. 
They want to know, is this person friendly? Were they this? Were they that? Were they, you know, and that's great and all, but I got to be honest with you. Some, at some level, you got to say, instead of looking for all the holes, I'm just going to go be the solution. At some level, you say, you know what? Nobody greeted me at this church. I'm going to go be the greeter at Revolution Church, and I'm going to make sure that never happens to anybody else that steps through that door. I'm going to make sure that they get a smiley face. I'm going to make sure they get what they need. I'm going to make sure they see there's hope in my face because I found Jesus. At some level, you do that. At some level. Just saying. Just saying. Second thing, area of opportunity for us to live what we say we believe. Number two, love on others by utilizing the something extra cards to show you that God loves you. What am I talking about? Some of y'all are clueless. Let me tell you about these something extra cards. This is a something extra card. Here's what it says. Ready? It's a little business card, and it says right on the front, something extra to show you that God loves you. On the back, it says, at Revolution Church, we want to love our community loud. So this gift to you is just a little way of us saying God in our church loves you. It's got our address on it. Here's what you do. You take some of these cards, which they're found at that back table. You can go grab as many as you want. You don't have to grab any if you don't want to, but, but here's what I do with them. When I'm going through the drive through line, I take one of these cards and I say, hey, I want to pay for the meal for the person behind me. I want to just make their day today. And I want to give you this card. If you'll give them this card for me, I'd greatly appreciate it. You know, people respond to this. You know why? Because people have bad days. Y'all ever had a bad day, yes or no? Yes. yes, I've had a bad day too. And isn't it cool? Have you ever had that happen to you? Somebody pay for your meal? Anybody ever had that happen? Is that not the coolest thing? Some of y'all are shaking your head no, and you're saying no. You know what? If the church would be what the church is called to be, that would happen more frequently. We could make it happen. You know what's funny? Um, God uses little stuff like this. Little business card invites a friendly face. i got to be honest with you. There's some people here today that come just because you just invite. My waitress over there from Spoons, sitting right over there. Love that you're here, Shelby. I don't want to call you out or make you feel embarrassed. But I'm blessed that you're here. You know what's cool about this? i got to share this story because it fits right in. I met Shelby, and she was uh, our waitress, and I invited her to our church, wanted her to come. And what happened was she had to work a couple times for a few weeks, and all of a sudden her boyfriend Dean shows up. So we got to know Dean for about three weeks. But, you know, that, I would never got to know Dean had I not been able to be willing to open my mouth for Shelby. See how that works? I would have never even met Dean. How would I ever known Dean? I wasn't even talking to Dean. Never even seen Dean. Don't even know who Dean is. I'm still not sure who Dean is. He's a great guy, as far as we know, right? But for real, I would have never met Dean had I not been willing to be unashamed of Jesus Christ and say, hey, Shelby, I want to invite you to my church. we got a great thing going. And you know what's cool about it? Dean comes, so we get Dean out of the deal, and Shelby comes today. We're blessed that you're here. We're, we're grateful that you're here, and we believe that God has big plans for your life, just like everybody else in this room. He's got big plans for you individually. You're going to get something out of this that maybe it's different than everybody else. It's a cool thing, but it would never happen if, if I was ashamed. Take these cards. Utilize them. They're on that back table. Nicole, I need you to make sure that we have enough of these cards, because I have a good feeling that some of you are going to take this challenge. You're going to step up, and you're going to make it happen. Third thing, don't be ashamed of Jesus by proclaiming him in your daily life. I already told you some simple tools. Social media is all over the place. You can utilize that every day. It, it takes about 10, 15 seconds to say something about who Jesus is. We just never think about it. I want you to think about Christ. I want you to pray. I want you to, to, to read your Bible. I want you to be in God's Word, and I want God to show up in your life. I want Him to bless you in an amazing way. We're going to close with this last story, and then we're out. Last thing. 
How many of y'all have a child that you love? Put them up. How many of y'all have a sibling? Keep your hands up, by the way, if you going to keep them up for a sec. How many of y'all have a person in your family that you love? Put them up. Um, how many of y'all have a friend or somebody that you care for at some level you love them? Okay, just in case I didn't miss somebody there, okay? Okay, put your hands down. <laughs> got a couple people there. Forrest got a couple people. Listen, think of that person for a second. I want you to imagine that they came, came down with a disease that was a life-altering disease. That person that you love. And it was a rare disease, and we just found out about it. We've never seen it in the United States before, but that person came down with this disease, and it was a big deal. And I want you to imagine that it cost $100,000 for the cure for that disease. You couldn't borrow any money from your relatives. You had to come up with the money on your own. And you had to have that money in four weeks to save your friend's life that you love. Here's what I know about everybody in this room, because y'all are giving me the... Starting to breathe a little heavier in here. Here's what I know about everybody in this room. If that was the scenario, you would find a way. You would find a way. You know what you'd do? You'd sell stuff. You'd sell your car. You'd try to sell your house. You'd sell anything that you had. Your TV would be gone. You wouldn't have a second thought about it. You'd go work another job. Your spouse would work another job. You would get as many people as you could to try to help you in this situation because this is a life-changing, altering situation, and you love this person. And because you love this person, even though it costs an exorbitant amount of money, you're going to come up with a way because you love them. That's a fake scenario, but you know what's a real scenario? Those same friends of yours, those same family members, could be on their way to hell for all of eternity, separated from God and separated from you. It's free to give the message of Jesus Christ away. It's completely free. It takes boldness. It takes courage. It takes people saying, you're the leader and I'm following. And you know what's the coolest part about seeing life change happen is when you invite your friend or you invite your family member that you love and they come and they receive Jesus and with a tear rolling down their face they look at you and they say thank you so much for living a life as an example for me to follow because you lived it because you were not ashamed because you weren't fake like what I've seen before because you were real because you were genuine because you were bold, I now have freedom. I got chills on me telling you that. You know why? Because I've experienced that. And if you've experienced that, it's contagious. You want to do it over and over and over again. Because life change is awesome. Jesus died on a cross to pay for our sins so that we can have freedom.